This is Chip Brantley, co-host of the NPR podcast, White Lies. Before we found the man in Vancouver, before we sued the State Department, before we snuck into the graveyard of a federal penitentiary, all we had were the photographs. Photographs of a group of Cuban men standing on the roof of a prison in rural Alabama. That's this season on the NPR podcast, White Lies. Nuclear. Now, is it Crick or Creek? Coyote or Coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. We're going to jump right back into where we were last time around, looking through some of the words from Kathy and Ross's book, That Doesn't Mean What You Think It Means. You guys had something you wanted to start out with, though? Yes. Yes. We've gotten um, a bunch of, actually, emails and messages from people um, talking about the pesky grammar things that people think they know, but they're sort of still unclear on. And we started talking about it ourselves and realized there are a lot of pesky grammar things that we used to be unclear on that now we have to know because this is what we talk about all the time. So we're introducing a new segment, a little quickie, that we're going to do at the top of most of them called Grammar 101. The pesky grammar things. There's a theme. Smart people think they know, but might not exactly. And we're quizzing you, Fletcher. Oh, You're good. in the hot seat. <laughs> can I can I jump in for a second, though? Or may I jump in for a second, should I you say? You can and you may. Um, one thing that sort of interests us right now is that the humanities are really declining in the country. People no longer really learn uh, a lot of English. They no longer learn basic grammar. They no longer really think about what they're saying, actually. And it, it interested me just recently because um, I was picking up an old uh, Latin grammar from the 1890s, and it jumps right in. Latin does this. This is how you go. This, you know, this is the gerundive. This is the gerund, etc. Then I picked up a, a, a grammar book. Um, actually, it was a Spanish grammar book from, from just recently. And it started out with, uh, this is a noun in English. And it basically opened up not with Spanish, but with English, giving the, the reader a basic education, a really quick education in how language works. Hmm. And that also got us thinking. People really don't know how what we're the language that we're using they have really very a very vague idea of how it works and what's going on with it i gotta say though i it started when we were in school because i did. never learned like except for things like nouns and verbs i never i never learned what a gerund was until i took spanish you know that's a good I mean, point too it wasn't yeah. addressed in english it was just sort of like you read stuff mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really remember beyond like being a little kid and doing adverbs and such. After that, I, it was kind of vague to me. It was osmosis, really. I, yeah. I think you're right. We read things, and by osmosis, we picked up we picked up grammar, but without really knowing. Like in math class, we learn axioms, you know, whatever. But anyway, oh God, that just gave me a chill when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's just go. This is actually an interesting one because nowadays a lot of linguists don't distinguish between the two to the same degree because there's an ambiguity between and I'm as I'm usual I'm leading in by like a huge we're going to talk about present participle <laughs> gerunds. Okay, quick Fletcher, <laughs> yeah. let's cut to the chase. I know. Do you know 
What is the difference between a present participle and a gerund? Or even let's let's go a little earlier. As I just said, there's an ambiguity nowadays. Modern textbooks a lot of times don't recognize the differences. But let's go basically, what is a present participle and what is a gerund? See, that's a better question because I could have come up with a lot of differences between the two, but I can't actually (laughs) tell you what either one is. (laughs) Okay. I don't know them by name. And as I've said, you know, a number of times on this podcast I don't remember whether I learned these things in school, but they didn't stick. I still don't, I still could not diagram a sentence for you, despite the fact that I can write pretty well. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I know what I'm doing while I'm writing and Mm -hmm. sometimes when I'm speaking, but if you asked me to tell you specifically what was going on with those words and those sentences, I couldn't do that. You don't know why you're doing that. Right. Uh, yeah, not 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 technically. And you don't really, I mean, it's not essential that you know these, but it, I think it's helpful. Let's put it that way. And the traditional definition of a gerund is, Kathy, do you want to? Well, wait, I want to start. Both of them, I think we should start with this, the this, this same thing. Both are words formed from verbs, and they end with ing, I-N-G. And then a gerund basically is a verb that's kind of pitching in for a noun. So instead of saying, for example, it's an ing verb that now has become kind of a noun. Eating is very important to me. Oh, that's, okay. Eating right now is a gerund because it's it's basically working as a noun. I went skiing. Skiing is a noun here. Do you see that? I, I saw it easier with the eating is very important to me sentence ah you don't like skiing okay but... <laughs> well i've never been skiing i don't know <laughs> it's not as easy as it looks <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it looks super easy <laughs> and now a present participle you take a verb and add an ing as well but instead of being a noun it functions most often as an adjective and you use it to modify a noun okay the crying ross walked away Oh. It's, it, it's it's modifying me right now. I'm crying. Yeah. That's what we're saying. Then that's that's a present participle. That's right. a present participle. Yeah. After playing ball, we went out to dinner. Playing. We but that's kind of a verb there, still, isn't it? After playing ball, what about like the rolling ball? That's that's a clear participle. You're describing the ball. Right. You can't. You're just you're you're basically describing the ball, which is what an adjective does. Hmm. Okay, so so the the present participle sort of functions as an adjective. The gerund sort of functions as a noun. Right. Exactly. Oh wow. Okay. Now, in modern times, a lot of modern linguists say that the, that the distinctions are kind of ambiguous and fuzzy. So they basically don't love the definition the the, the definition of participle and noun a gerund as being separate. But I, it, it's still basically, I think, works. You get a I basic think so idea too. I, I, to me, that that just gets very technical the other way. I mean, I think to me, it's pretty, there is a, usually in my head, there's a clear distinction. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so too. And now we can get into one thing, which is something I've been guilty of numerous times, the dangling participle. Yeah. Now, what's a dangling <laughs> participle? This is sort of, this is crucial. Now, is this is a mistake is this many some, of us made. This is something that doesn't have a... Again, I can't I can't diagram a sentence, right? And so it doesn't have like a subject attached or something? Right, right. Walking through the kitchen, the smoke alarm is going off. Obviously, the smoke alarm is not walking through the kitchen. Right. Right. That's a classic one. So it's missing as I was walking through the kitchen or 
something right. like that. Yeah. Now that's a surprisingly common, and that's why I think it is good to know the idea of a participle that it modifies, you know, what it modifies and knowing how it modifies because dangling participles are easily done. And it's good to know what a participle is to know how not to dangle one. I like this one actually driving like a maniac. The deer was hit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's definitely something that can create a lot of ambiguity when you dangle your participle. Precisely. But that's also why I think it is good to know basically kind of the theory behind, you know, what we're doing when we speak. And I, I I don't think, I mean, grammar can be kind of dull, but to some degree, knowing a little bit about it is, is important and helpful. Helpful is the best point of it. Anyway, think, let's move on. I was going to say this very quickly, though. I think the problem has always been for me is the minute you hear the terms, it sounds more complicated than it actually is. And I think you just mm -hmm. made the point, Russ, we kind of, we're doing it right already, usually, or often, I should say. But as you were saying, Fletcher, that you don't know why you're doing it. And the terms actually make it simpler. I think you're right, Rose, when you mm -hmm. say it makes it helpful. I think sort of knowing it makes you feel a little more confident. And that's like really, as we've always said, what our discussions usually are about. How to like make yourself a little more confident and like understand the language a little better. Mm -hmm. What I'm curious about is if in one week I will remember the difference between a gerund and a present participle. Uh, you know something? You probably won't. But I think the idea has gotten into your head and you see an ing and you're going to go, kind of, oh, that's one that's kind of modifying something. That's modifying, a, you know, this or doing it. And I think the words are as important as just sort of getting a vague idea of what they're doing in a sentence, mm -hmm. I think, can be really helpful. Although I have a, mnem a mnemonic, which is there is an N in gerund and there's an N at both ends of noun. Oh, Oh, very good. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's... That'll make it really it's... hard to forget. <laughs> it's a little worky, but I made it up. Yeah. <laughs> okay, moving along, we're going to go into, these are words that we did in That Doesn't Mean What You Think It Means. And we were doing the audio, as we were saying, a few months ago, a few months ago now. And these were words that we, we wrote about, and we found ourselves kind of re-reminding ourselves that we had gotten them wrong. And the first one is factoid. And we have a sentence from the Time magazine, Kensington Palace released an all-important teaser of a factoid about the upcoming ceremony. Now, first of all, Fletcher, is that correct or incorrect, that use of factoid? It feels weird. I guess I don't know what this thing they're referring to is, so I don't feel like I can really be sure whether or not it's correct or incorrect. But... I'm going to say no, it's not correct. You're, you're going to your question is correct <laughs> in a way and incorrect in a way. The this goes this goes to something that we've talked about a lot, how language changes very rapidly sometimes and definitions change with the times. Factoid originally meant Catherine. Well, this is what fascinated me in writing it. Norman Mailer coined the term and a factoid initially meant he defined it in his book, Maryland, as facts which have no existence before appearing in a magazine or newspapers, creations which are not so much lies as a product to manipulate emotion in the silent majority. So it was really a, a, an ersatz fact. Wow. Mm -hmm. Now, as we know, we use it to mean a mini fact, a little snippet of information. Like, and it mm -hmm. started 
wasn't it CNN headline news had the little things that were factoids on the side? I remember at the time mm-hmm. thinking, this is so, you know, odd seeing this on a screen. Now we're so used to it. But yeah, that that sentence that Ross read is correct. Because I mean, as we use it now, we, we say little factoids. Mm-hmm. It's like a factoid is a gerund ends with ing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's a factoid. That's a factoid. But I mean, it didn't initially mean that at all. And now you never use it the mailer way. No. Can you give me an example of the original meaning that Mailer came up with? Like, what, what's a, what's, a, make up a factoid in his, in his definition. The, okay, the, the spy balloon. No, that doesn't work. I was going to say the spy balloon is an alien spaceship. Okay, why don't we put a, let's, let's put a, like a, a Chiron thing. Uh, Fletcher Powell eats snails every day. <laughs> that would be a factoid. Okay, something It's that, not true. It's not well, or I've just said it. It's not particularly. Uh, it was done to initiate to basically manipulate emotions in people. Ooh, wow, Fletcher, you think Fletcher is like weird. I <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But it's something that's not quite, not necessarily true, not necessarily major. You know, I'm not saying Fletcher, you know, murders people every day. It's mm. minor, but it's it's done basically to get people thinking about something. I'm assuming since it was in Maryland and I, I should know this, I'm assuming that um, it, it was used to uh, refer to stuff about Marilyn Monroe. Like there was stuff in the papers. Yeah, I think you're right. Cause I think I'm being wrong here. Cause it is something that's speculation about someone and you keep mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing is, is when you think about it and what's, we put this in the book, it makes sense. Cause Oid the, the suffix means resembling. It's a humanoid, yep. is like a human. So a factoid mm-hmm. is like a fact, but it's not a fact. But now mm-hmm. we're using it really as a factlet or fact yeah. factini or something. <laughs> I like factini. Yeah. Factini is nice, isn't it? <laughs> so it's completely different now. Huh. Yeah. I got to admit, I've never thought about the definition of factoid before. I don't think many have. <laughs> no, but we all use it now, I think, in the theoretically original, in, I mean, the theoretically incorrect way, but the later way. I use it all the time as a just a little for trivial fact. A little fact, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Not as, I say we push factini. I like factini. I don't like factini. Uh, okay. That sounds like a spaghetti or something. Mm. That's nice. I like pasta. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the next one is, uh, this is a confusable, actually. The uh, example we'll have here is a headline. Kenneth Ludwig's hysterical comedy opens in Santa Paula. Is that correct? Is the comedy, Fletcher, hysterical? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's correct now. You can say, you can say it that way now. Uh, once upon a time, I think a, a person maybe had to be hysterical. That's correct. It, hysterical really... It has a really kind of misogynist bad Yes, past. it does. <laughs> and it means, and I think, frankly, the word's going to disappear from, from English fairly, from common usage. It does mean uncontrolled extreme emotion. And it has a negative sense. It comes from the ancient Greek, hysterikos, meaning suffering in the womb. And it was like really picked up in the 18 and 1900s by the medical industry, which basically was having diagnosing women all over the place with, uh, <laughs> with hysteria, hysteria and being hysterical. And we had one example, a really famous British uh, doctor, Havelock Ellis, wrote a book called The Sexual Impulse in Women. And he found that 75% of women, or almost 75% of women, suffered from hysteria. 
Well, times have changed. (laughs) I don't know. I feel pretty hysterical right now. (laughs) But I think hilarious would be a better word to use in this case. And I think it's going to, and it's more correct anyway. You think, do you think it's going to drop out? I think Ross is right. And I think part of the reason is because people are recognizing that awful earlier meaning and using Mm. the word less and less. When I was a kid, hysterical meant what it meant in that sentence that you read, which which mm, was mm-hmm. hilarious. I mean, that's hysterical, mm. right? Oh my gosh, that's hysterical. Uh, it never, e- even when I was a kid, it didn't mean, to, to, at least when we were saying it, it didn't mean um, crazy, uh, un- unrestrained emotion or whatever. It meant, yeah. it meant mm-hmm. hilarious. That's what it meant. Well, it can, I mean, because it can mean uncontrollable laughter. So in a way, it technically could be correct even in that you know that original usage but i just don't think it's going to last at this point i don't think i, do, really I like don't it. know I, I i don't i hear it all the time still as as meaning hilarious i mean the dictionaries still have that usage of it they do list it obviously but they do have mm-hmm. it as either colloquial or non-standard or informal but i hear it a lot i hear people who go oh that's hysterical you you guys don't hear it as much now less you think yeah less and less I do too. I don't think I hear it as much either. I'll be honest. I, since 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 I learned that uh, where it came from, I have tried not to use it, even to mean hilarious. There is a drop off. There is a drop off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I sort of think so. I never particularly like the word though, so I, I'm not sure I'm a really good uh, judge of this. I'm looking just at the Google Ngram viewer. They it peaked again. It really peaked in 1896, but that was probably with everybody, you yeah. know being hysterical, yeah. you know, that yes. one. And then it looks like it peaked again in 2015 and it's starting to go down, but just a little bit. It's still quite high. In 2015, yeah. interesting. I, don't, I don't like it, actually. I, I never did for some reason. I think I always had that slight, not even in, in the in the misogynist sense, but that slight sort of hysteria, like you're uncontrolled. So it, it I don't know. Hilarious seems better to me. I don't know. Do you, do you both say hilarious? Do you say that's hilarious? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, from time to time. Interesting. I don't know that I do. Now I'm just I'm just going to notice this now. I do I hate to say it as a woman. I think I say hysterical more often than hilarious. And I I'm very upset with myself. <laughs> I'm thinking I just saw a comedy yesterday I, and I I did say that was hilarious. I do. I don't know. I guess I do. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we have a this next one is Again, I, the the words that we had problems with tend to be words that have original definitions that have changed. So in a way, you could be correct or incorrect. In in this is getting really pers- this one is super persnickety. And as usual, I haven't said it. I'm going into these. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make it even longer uh, because beca- I I think it's important to note that. These are words that once had a certain definition and we use them differently mm-hmm. now because there are a lot of people who not necessarily write into us, but write into, say, national radio shows uh, who complain that people are using these words in the modern, the contemporary, I should say, uh, definition mm-hmm. in the contemporary way. When these people who are angry would prefer that people are using it in, in a way closer to the original definition. And it's important, mm-hmm. It's important, as we've often expressed on this podcast, to recognize that language changes. It does. You bet it does. And this one is a biggie. <laughs> okay, this is... <laughs> and now, without any further ado, I'm going to throw this... Like, this is a sentence from a while back. We've had a couple of modern examples, but this one really 
brought it home, so to speak, which is actually very apropos to the word. Now, here I go again. Okay. <laughs> President Ross, write it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, one more thing. President before... Obama. No. <laughs> I feel like Columbo. <laughs> <laughs> no, it does have that. President Obama in Kenya. Prodigal son returns. But can he bring much needed change to his father's homeland? Okay, the key word here that we're going to think about is prodigal, prodigal son returns. President Obama, prodigal son returns. That's the key here. Right. So now I guess it sort of means, uh, what are they saying? Uh, that that phrase doesn't have a lot of specific meaning, I don't think, now. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut in here. The classical. I'm gonna read this as prodigal was originally what prodigal originally meant in English. I'm gonna. I'm, this is not my own opinion, but this is what prodigal really meant in English originally. And I'm gonna substitute some words for prodigal. President Obama in Kenya, recklessly wasteful, spendthrift son returns. Whoa. That's what prodigal rig, originally meant. But I don't think these guys meant that for President Obama. I agree. But nowadays, that's what I was going to say. Most people, or many people, I should say, use prodigal to mean wandering or or, or returning back. I mean, which would be a, a sort of redundancy. But because if all from the New Testament parable of prodigal son, the youngest of the son set off for a distant country. But the key wasn't the setting off for the distant country, but it was squandering his wealth and wild living. That was the real meaning of prodigal initially. You know what? I don't even think people use it to mean wandering now. I don't, like I started to say before Ross uh, gave us the actual or the original definition, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that phrase has a lot of specific meaning. I think it's sort of a, just a, a phrase um, referring to someone who's, mm, I mean, done some things, you know, and, 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 and they're coming back to wherever they, they, uh, I mean, the prodigal son returns. Okay. They've been somewhere and they're coming back, but they've also done something important i i don't i i think it's just sort of a phrase we use now that to doesn't have almost a, nothing yeah it doesn't mean a lot now that's interesting that's a very interesting take on it because we found another reference a prodigal ceo steve jobs of apple oh wow referring to the ex you know to the deceased uh, but that apple. was meaning because he'd come back remember he had yeah, but that's been... but that's yeah yeah but like he wasn't really wandering no, but I'm saying, but but the, it's being used, like I was saying, more in the return, more often, I thought, in the returning sense. Somebody who left and came back. He's the prodigal, yeah. blah, 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 which is still yeah. returning. It, it has nothing to do with debauchery or spendthrift or anything like that. Extravagant, nothing. But Fletcher no. is taking it a step further and saying it doesn't even mean the returning. It's just sort of No, like, I mean, it. well, I mean, like, not that word. We use the phrase, the prodigal son returns, right? Right. But, yes, I mean... It's not really saying anything except that they're back from somewhere. It, like yeah. that that word prodigal isn't really doing anything in that. Especially since you're saying returns. Right, actually. exactly, yeah. exactly. Here's, yeah. Yeah, here's a here's a new one I just saw for uh the prodigal son. Trump org defense paints complex picture of former CFO turned prosecution witness. So in this case, that's an interesting Now, what does that mean? Can you repeat it? Okay, the prodigal son. Trump organization defense paints complex picture of former CFO turned prosecution witness. This sounds to me like a traditional, or does yeah. it? I don't even know what this prodigal son means. Yeah. 
is he returning? He's returning. To, he's not in this. He's an ex-officer and he's going to prosecute and witness. So why is he prodigal? I don't think I think Fletcher's sort of like it doesn't really mean much at all fits in here. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What gets me is almost everything when you type in prodigal son of Google, almost everything is return of the prodigal son. Everything yeah. has got most have the return of. It's all that for it's that phrase now. I don't. Yeah, I don't think the word is used really in in another way or in another place. It's just with that phrase. Yeah. I'm going to move on and say the next one I'm just going to do because this is one of my pet peeves. This is where I get persnickety and my teeth start hurting. This is a quote about Adele, as I've Adele. often called her. Uh -huh. <laughs> and it said it was apparently a very wet day. And it said, while she continued to sing like a trooper, we're afraid the poncho didn't do much as far as keeping her dry. The question is trooper. Right. So she was singing like a trooper. I don't know what T -R -O -O -P -E -R, that T-R-O-O-P-E-R okay. or T-R-O-U-P-E-R, yeah, which should it be? Certainly now I see it both ways, but I think it should be the, with the U. Yes. Bless you, Very my good. child. <laughs> you are not a prodigal son. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess not, yeah. That's just personally but, pet but, peeve. Uh, okay, so, so explain that. Okay, the O-U is from, the, is from Troop, T-R-O-U-P-E, which was a, a band of entertainers, a group, usually a theater group. T-R-O-O-P is soldier or police officer. So a trooper would be someone who's going out there and still, you know, going along, like still doing the show. The show must go on, T-R-O-U-P-E-R. T-R-O-O-P-E-R is just someone, a soldier or somebody who's just brave and yeah, marching, you I guess. Can see, you can see why, why that would happen, though, that change. I mean, we even say soldiering on, don't we? Yeah, yes. exactly. It's a very legitimate, actually, change. I just, it just bothers me. But also, you're right. what got me, also, what gets me is T R O O P comes from guess what? The French word T R O U P. <laughs> <laughs> That's the wonderful thing about English. Two words probably came in at different times. Can yeah. I throw something? I know I'm being a pain here, but I just saw an article uh, that said, forget the prodigal. I'm going back to prodigal. The prodigal Republicans. So it is being used outside of Sun as well. Hmm. Okay. I really don't get this word. I don't know, but whatever. But the prodigal, isn't that returning again? I think that prodigals usually used to mean returning to something. Yeah. But I mean, in that sense, what I was saying, so they're using an aspect, as we said, of the original parable, but you, they're, they're picking the wrong, but now it means the different part of it. The returning was the key nowadays for prodigal as opposed to the spendthrift extravagance. But here we go again. Is Donald Trump about to ditch Jared Kushner, his prodigal son-in-law? See, yeah, that but doesn't really mean he anything. Didn't return, the prodigal there, he didn't return to anything. Right. Okay, but there I think they're using it to mean like a son that's like turned on you, which I think some other people, and I'm not saying this, I've seen, but I think that's the other thing, like the ungrateful son. No, I effect. don't think so. Yeah, I, I, but no, I, mean, but... I, I disagree. I, I think they're using it to mean um, sort of like the, the, the bright young boy, you know, the the... The um, hmm. young star, uh, the prodigal son. I agree with you, Fletcher. That's what I think, too. I think you're both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the key thing is, I think we're getting to the point where prodigal really doesn't mean anything. It Which just is means, Fletcher's point. <laughs> yeah, I think Fletcher is right. It just sort of something sort of egregious sticks out for some reason or another, I think is the key there. I think people think it sounds good. Yep, that's it. 
Yeah. Anyway, here's a, the next one we're going to get into is one that Kathy and I both got wrong. And we got wrong. We got it wrong for the right reasons. And as usual, I'm doing a long introduction to a Vogue article. And I'm going to say it right now. It is best when used regularly. I think speaking about some sort of uh, skincare item as part of your normal skincare routine regime, your normal skincare regime. Yeah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have used that word there. R routine, as you as you said, is what I would have probably used there. Okay, but there's another word that's sort of similar regime that we both thought would have been better. Okay. Which is regimen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So I thought, and Kathy thinks, thought of regime as meaning a government. Nothing to do with taking your vitamins or putting skincare items on your face. What do you think, Fletcher, on that? That is also what I, th I mean, the the ruling, um, someone in power, or some group in power the ruling uh, bureaucracy, whatever. that That's what I thought regime was. Catherine, do you want to throw in our horror when we found this out? Well, and, oh, I have to also add that regime most often is preceded by words like authoritarian, of fascist, or military, <laughs> yeah. too. So it's not even like a happy government. Right. It's like a heavy-handed one. But yeah, this is another case where the language is changing. Um, more often now, you can indeed say regime, even doctors are using the word regime, the vitamin regime to follow as opposed to regimen. What? Really? So, yeah. No yes. way. This, and wait, wait, it's astounded. Oh, my Fletcher. goodness. Astounded and very upset. No, it's yep. like not really. Yeah. So now you can legally, I mean, it's still not, you know, technically correct, but pretty much you, you can say regime instead of regimen and, and no one will bat an eye except for ah. us. And we're going to both bat an eye and we both have vowed never to use regime with skincare. <laughs> <laughs> that one really got me. Wow. I'm stunned because I'm looking at, well, the thing is though, I mean, and it had, we had it in the book actually, Ross, um, regime first did mean medical treatment and it was in mm -hmm. the 1300s. And that's the first definition that you see in the OED. But I mean, like it kind of then became the whole, you know, military aspect or governance or whatever. And now we've gone back to the original thing. That's bizarre. Which is mm -hmm. so odd. Yeah. We've had a linguistic regime change. <laughs> Ooh, fancy. <laughs> okay, this is the last but not least. Are we going to staunch the wound? Boris Johnson said this a few months ago. Staunch 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 the wound or there's another word here that just <laughs> popped into my cognition are we going to stanch the wound that's what i was going to say this is sort of a toughie actually i was going to i was going to say i think it's stanch now the, i don't say either of these things particularly often no but um staunch staunch is often seen like in front of staunch conservative or something like that right yeah, as in steadfast. Yeah. Or, yeah. Very good, Fletcher. This is one I am so picky about. This is another one where I am usually very fluid about stuff. I can't handle staunch the wound. It's stanch. You stanch the flow of blood. You don't staunch the flow of blood. But just as with regime and regimen, it's it's starting. Staunch as a verb is, is moving up. In fact, staunch is, is in the lead now, I think, over stanch. I don't think you say stanch. Mm -hmm. Nobody mm -hmm. says stanch the flow anymore. Do you know, this This feels a little bit like uh, chomping at the bit and champing at the bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, ex except that champing kind of means chomping, uh, you know, sort of. And so those are actually a little closer than, than staunch and stanch. 
Yeah. But it feels like that a little bit, you know, where where we're sort of using either one and people get what you mean. It's really persnickety. I mean, it is. Yeah. And here we go again. Stanch comes from a French word, estanchier, which doesn't have the U in it. So we're back to, you know. (laughs) But the thing that gets me, if you look at the dictionary, staunch with a U is a spelling variation for the verb stanch. Ah. And stanch... (laughs) is a spelling variation for the adjective staunch. <laughs> so, I mean, forget it. Just, I quit. No. I'm hysterical, really... guys. <laughs> <laughs> and this one doesn't really matter, as Kathy just showed very ably, that they both come from a similar background, et cetera. But I'm the same way. I cannot take staunch the flow of, of blood. No, stanch the flow I think what you've both just... I'm not stanching much, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I think what you've both just proven is that words actually have no meaning. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's a good one for today. We shouldn't yep. have called. You're saying it wrong. You're thinking it wrong. What? Wait, wait, there's something here. It doesn't mean <laughs> anything think, wrong. Yep, and the prodigal wordsmiths will come back next. <laughs> Which of us is spendthrifty, Ross? <laughs> I, don't, I think we're all prodigal because it can be anything at this point. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so. I, I stanch that. <laughs> Why not? You're Saying It Wrong is part of the NPR Podcast Network and is produced by me, Fletcher Powell, in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Granada, Spain. Ross Petrus records from his home in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. Our digital team is Beth Golay, Jordan Kirtley, and Carly Cooper. If you like what we're doing here on the show, please tell everyone you know and leave us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod. Kathy and Ross are at K&R Petrus. I'm at Fletcher underscore Powell. Or you can email me at Powell at KMUW.org or email them at K&R Petrus at gmail.com. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that and Kathy and Ross's other books pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And a number of their books are also available on audiobook, read by the authors themselves. Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can find out more about what they're doing at their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.